Amen. Let's thank Meg and our worship team for leading us this morning. Man, we need that, don't we? You may be seated and welcome to everybody that's joining us online as well. We're so glad that you guys are here and hope that you got up out of your couch and you were able to engage as well and along with the rest of us here. A couple things before we dive into the truth of God's Word uh, this morning. I want to give you a couple next step opportunities. Uh, We're all about helping people move one step closer to God and each other through Christ. And uh, for our group leaders, we've got a next step opportunity. In fact, uh, if uh, you are a current adult small group leader, we want to make sure that you join us for our upcoming group leaders gathering. And uh, this is an awesome opportunity for us to connect with each other, uh, connect with Jesus, learn from each other, learn together. And so, uh, again, if you're a group leader, we want to invite you. And even if you're not in a group, but you're interested in learning more about what it means to be a group leader, and uh, just to kind of check it out, maybe, maybe you've got some friends, maybe you've got some neighbors, maybe there's some people that you've been coming to church with, and, and you'd like to start connecting as a small group. And we're always looking for more new leaders, and we're happy to come alongside you and help you and equip you. Uh, this event is also for you, just to come and check out what it means to be a group leader. So you can register by texting the word leader to the number that's on the screen, or that information is in the worship programs if you're here with us and you received one of those, and uh, happy to have all of us connect that way. Also, another uh, thing that we're very aware of is all the destruction that has happened uh, down in Kentucky after the tornadoes, and uh, people started calling, I love our church, people started calling right away saying, what, do we, what can we do, how can we help, are we going to send a team, and the answer is yes, uh, and uh, actually this week we pushed out a, a mass a text message to all of our chapel family, which if you didn't get it, that's why we need you to update your info, because then you'll get those text updates. And uh, we already have a team that's full. They're leaving in about a week and a half. They're going to be headed down to Mayfield, Kentucky, which is one of the most difficult areas that was hit. And uh, they'll be just doing some cleanup and some baseline repairs. And this will not be the only team that we send down to Kentucky. I want you to know that, because maybe you're sitting here or you're watching online and you're like, man, I wish I would have known, or man... I wanted to go, but it just didn't work with my schedule for that particular week. Uh, We hope to send uh, at least one more, maybe other teams uh, down to Kentucky. So keep your eyes and ears open, or go ahead and text the number, reach out uh, uh, to Todd Enderley, who's our team leader, and we can put you on a list and keep you posted for the next opportunity. And like Meg said earlier, because of your generosity, we were able to we're going to be sending a sizable uh, financial contribution to the ministry called City Impact that we're partnering with down there in Kentucky. And so it's going to really, really make it make a difference, uh, bless some people, help our team get engaged, and serve people's real practical needs. So thanks for being a part of that. Thanks for being an awesome church that uh, loves to give and support and make a difference. That means the world. Well, uh, we're into the new year. It feels kind of like spring, though, doesn't it? Like It's like a gloomy, cold spring morning, but we are into the new year. Hopefully you had a great time of connecting with family, with friends. How many of you were gathered with family and friends over the holidays? Yeah? How many of you got a little bit of time off? Yeah, some of you did. That's awesome. Uh, man, that, that week between Christmas and New Year's, uh, I t- got to take those days off, and man, it was a breath of fresh air. Our girls were home from college. We spent a lot of extra time together. We watched a lot of movies uh, together. We played a lot of games together. It was, it was 
It was so much fun. It was relaxing. I mean, man, we probably stayed up later than we should, but then we probably slept in later than we needed to. And I'm wondering, though, I re-engage in work, and I'm like, huh, exhausted. <laughs> Anybody else ever felt like that? Anybody else ever felt like, man, you took a vacation, and then after the vacation, you needed a vacation to rest up from your vacation? Amen. That'll preach right now. You know, that's a sign. That's a, that's a symptom that maybe there's something deeper going on in our lives. You know, we, we, we get a great night's rest, and so we should wake up just being ready to go, and yet we're just reaching for the coffee cup or the coffee pot, like just, right? And that's just, I'm just talking about like the physical tired outness that many of us are feeling and the sluggishness that many of us feel on a daily basis, whether that's physically or mentally. But what if I told you that even beyond the mental and the physical exhaustion, there could be something even more detrimental happening inside of us? It's what Jesus pointed out in Matthew chapter uh, 16, verse 26. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, and what would you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your very soul? You know, it's crazy. We, I think in many ways we bought into this philosophy in our world, in our day, in our age, in our culture that says, man, if, if, you'll, just, if you'll just go hard, go fast, go strong, you're going to get everything that you want that's going to then bring you fulfillment and happiness. And yet the reality is many of us here in the room or watching online, we, we've, we've been very blessed and maybe we've got everything that we want. But then we realize it, it doesn't cut it either. And we've come to realize that the, the, the American dream sometimes feels like a big sham. And we're just left exhausted, <laughs> wiped out. That's why we've started this series this weekend, uh, Exhausted. And over the next four weeks, we want to look at what we think are four of the primary things that are causing this soul unrest within us, making us tired out and dilapidated. For instance, I, I think we're exhausted because we give in to temptation far too easily. The, the effects of sin in our life, it weighs us down. And it can tire us out and exhaust us. Or we're exhausted because we're striving for the approval of others. Man, I, I'm working on this message right now and it is kicking my butt. Or, or we're exhausted because we're trying to control everything and everyone, and, and we can't. And yet we keep trying. And so we're exhausted. And then what we want to talk about this weekend, it's kind of the launch pad for all of this. I think we're exhausted because we're living at a faster pace than we were created for. Now, uh, Oftentimes, we'll, you know, this morning I probably said this to multiple people as they came in. You've probably said it to multiple people as they came in. How you doing? And, and we give our pat answers, you know, and we say, oh, I'm doing good. Or sometimes we might be honest enough to say, doing good, 
just so busy, right? Just so busy. And our culture, you know, calls busyness like a badge of honor. Like somehow you've, you've arrived if you're, you know, if you're just so important that you are so busy. But what if our busyness is actually draining the most important, important part of who we are? Now, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, what a title. John Mark Comer, he, 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 he defines 10 signs or symptoms that we may be living an exhausted life, that we might be living on the verge of burnout, that we might be damaging the very essential and even eternal part of who we are, our soul. And for time's sake, let me just highlight five of the ones that he brings up and see if any of them resonate in your life like they do in mine. He says, number one, you might be exhausted. You might be uh, running on empty if you're irritable. Don't elbow anybody right now, okay? He says to self-diagnose, don't look at how you treat a colleague or a neighbor. Look at how you treat those closest to you, your spouse, your children, your closest friends. Or he says, restlessness is another sign that you, we may be on the verge of burnout. When you, when you, when you uh, do try to slow down you, and rest, you can't. You can't relax. You go to bed early, but then you toss and turn with anxiety. You can't shut it down. You can't shut it off. Thirdly, he says, workaholism or just nonstop activity. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's just you're early into the office and the last one leaving. It might be that you're a stay-at-home mom and you just can never sit down. Like, it's just nonstop all day long. And not necessarily just because of all the demands that others are putting on you, but because of the, the feeling inside. Like, I just got to get this done. I just got to cover this. I got to just clean that up. I just got to... It's exhausting, isn't it? <laughs> or out-of-order priorities. He says your life is reactive, not proactive. You're busier than ever before, yet you still feel like you don't have time for what really matters. And the fifth one I'll share, he calls it escapist behaviors. We turn to our distraction of choice. Overeating, overdrinking, overworking, binge-watching Netflix, social media, or pornography. The list goes on. And we, we, we latch into this escapist behavior to try to get away from the crazy cycle that we're in. In his book, he says he came to a conclusion. He said, I, I live with an undercurrent of nonstop anxiety that rarely goes away and a tinge of sadness. But mostly, he says, I just feel spiritually empty. It's like my soul is hollow. And if we were really gut-level, soul-level, honest with each other, some of us, even behind our Sunday church smiles, we are running on fumes. We're empty and we're exhausted. And that's what we want to think about together. Fortunately, when I look at the, through the pages of Scripture and the both the model of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus. What I think we can discover are, are two steps that will help us combat living at this pace that's so much faster than we were created to live. 
The first one is to embrace our design, and the second thing is to discover what matters truly the most. So let's take a moment and, and think about embracing our design. What do I mean by that? Well, in order for us to embrace our design, we have to go back to the very beginnings. And, and the only place that I find a real record of the beginnings of humanity is found in the words of Scripture. The book of Genesis, it's the creation account from the designer himself who made everything that we know of and everything that we see and us included. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says this, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now what this text tells us is that we as human beings, all of us, whether you're religious or irreligious, Christian or not, if God created us, we were created in his image. That is, uh, to reflect him. We were created to be like God. That's why we were created to work. Work is not a bad thing. In fact, work was given to mankind long before the fall and sin entered the world. We are created to work. We feel fulfillment from the things that we do. And that's a good thing because God worked. And he created us to work. God is also creative and he, he made us to be creative. To be able to think. Because God is love. We're able to love, to live in relationship with one another, to express care. This is what it means to be made in the image of God. So according to God's word, part of our design is to reflect and be like God. But there's a, a second part to our identity as human beings, our, our creation, our identity. Genesis 2, 7 says, But then the, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. So, so we are created to be like God, but we are human. We are finite. We're limited. And it says, He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Actually, the, 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 the right translation there would be, became a living soul, a soulish person. God gave us what's deep down inside of us that, that brings life, that causes life. So we were created to, to, to reflect God. The problem is we're trying to live like we are God. <laughs> we were made in his image, created to be like God, but we are not God. Even God rested. Think about it. Six days of creation, and it says on the seventh day, God, what did he do? Rested. So why do we have such a... Who are we to think that we can just keep going when God himself said, I'm going to work, and then I'm going to rest? In fact, the, one of the Ten Commandments, the longest commandment in the Ten Commandments has to do with taking a day and resting, ceasing from all of our activity. Maybe part of the reason we're so exhausted is because we're living at a pace that we were not designed to live at. I love what Pete Scazzaro says. He says, you know, when somebody comes to me and, and they say, hey, I know that you're really, really busy, but could you do this for me or could you fit this in? He, 
He said he's learned to say, you know what? No, I want you to know something. It's not that I'm too busy. I'm just limited. Even over the last two weeks, I've, I've had this thought in my brain. And I might not have said it out loud to people, but as I'm getting an email, as, I, as I'm looking at my calendar, as I'm, just this thought, Todd, remember, you are limited. That's part of my design. That's part of your design. Part of our design is that we are limited, and that's not a bad thing. It's just a bad thing when we try to push beyond our limits, our God-given limits. We have a hard time saying this little word, don't we? No. I mean, unless you're a two-year-old, you say it comes very naturally, right? But when it comes to, you know, the kids wanting to come over or, or, or our friends wanting to do something Friday night or our, uh, our boss saying, hey, could you just uh, get meet this deadline? Or, hey, could you, know, could you just be here? And it's sometimes hard to say no. Say it. Go ahead and just say it with me. Even if you're home, just say it with me right now. No. Doesn't that feel good? Don't you wish you could say that more often? Like to your boss, to your kids, to your spouse, even to your, like, I just, need, I just need some space. We need to start saying no, but we don't say no because, well, uh, man, I don't know, but I don't say no because I think I might miss out on something, right? I might miss out on something that was important or, or maybe I don't say no because, uh, man, I want to prove myself. I want to prove that I got what it takes. And I mean, of course I'm not going to say no. I'm always going to say yes. And or I, I don't say no because I'm a people pleaser. We'll talk about that in a couple messages. But, or, or sometimes we don't say no because deep down it's like we've got a savior complex. We think that we need to be other people's saviors. That, that we need to be God for them. And if we don't come through for them, who will come through for them? Listen, maybe if we put it this way. We may believe that there is a God, but if we can't say no, then we're really believing that we are Him. Part of, part of getting out of the rat race of spiritual, mental, emotional, physical exhaustion is learning to say no. To say no is saying, God, you're God and I'm not. To say no says, God, I know that I'm limited and I can't do it all, and that's okay. But we have a hard time doing that. Maybe you're here and you're with me, or maybe you're watching online and you're like, yeah, some of this, man, this is hitting too close to home. This resonates. Maybe we just need to pause. I, I love how this morning has been already, the way the, way the worship team led us just let us breathe a little bit at the beginning of the service. Maybe we just need to take a minute and breathe. And maybe, maybe we need to whisper a prayer like this one. Just to say, Father, I beg you to help me embrace my design. Free me. Free me from my Savior-like tendencies. Help me to say no. In doing so, I admit that you are God and I am not.
This is the first step to moving out of the exhausted life. We've got to embrace our design. But secondly, we've got to discover what matters most in life. And in order to do that, I want to take us to what for some may be a familiar passage, but it could be that you're here and uh, you didn't grow up in church and you haven't been coming for very long or you're just tuning in online and you're like, I don't know, I might check this place out. And, and maybe you're unfamiliar with this story where, where Jesus was interacting with two sisters named Mary and Martha. Let me read it for us, and then let's think about it together. It says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. Now let's just pause there for a moment. Both of these ladies were doing important things. Jesus comes into town. Martha invites Jesus into their home, and she's been getting everything ready. In fact, the text says uh, Mary sat while Martha was preparing. Or uh, the way I would put it is Mary was sitting while Martha was serving. Now, you could say, well, was, was Mary just being lazy? And was Martha just being too overproductive and zealous? Well, listen, in that day and age, uh, hospitality, it was a big deal. In fact, in our culture, hospitality, it's still nice, it's still important. Um, but let me tell you, back in that day, like, hospitality was huge. And it still is, especially in other countries. Like, I've been to uh, Burundi, and I, or not Burundi, uh, to Brazil, and I've been to India, and I can, I can remember times where people that virtually had nothing <laughs> invited us into their home and i mean it's like they had been cooking all day and put on a spread and they just want they they just wanted to to, to give you time and attention and talk and and share food and hospitality just like uh, in other countries back in Mary and Martha and Jesus day it was a huge deal so there was nothing wrong with Mar what Martha was doing Martha was showing kindness to Jesus. She had been getting everything ready. And Mary chose to sit down and just sit with Jesus and listen to Jesus. Now, I think the issue, and Jesus is going to point it out in a moment, is not that Martha was serving and preparing. It's what was going on in her soul at the time. Because look at what she says to Jesus. It says, she came to Jesus and she said, Lord... Doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? I bet some of us have been there, right? Some of you, like, honey, get off the couch, right? Like, do you see me over here? I think, I think, I think Martha, there, you see, there was something going on. She's like, Jesus, have you noticed? I mean, if Mary is sitting and Martha is serving, Martha is certainly thinking, well, serving is more important than sitting. I think that in my life most of the time. We need to be doing something, right? But what's interesting is what Jesus says back to Martha. In verse 41, it says, The Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you hear his heart? 
I mean, he's not coming down on her. He's not judging her. He's not saying, well, you really messed this up. He's not saying, well, what the heck have you been doing all day? Uh, you, you've been focused on all the wrong th-. You know, do you hear his heart? Dear Martha, he's caring for her soul. He's seeing that there's something that's wrong. There's something that's missing. He says, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary, she's discovered it. In this moment, Jesus was saying, listen, it's not that what you've been doing, Martha, was unimportant or wrong. In this moment, you've just missed what is most important. And this is the key to escaping the exhausted life. You guys, listen, hey, some of us, we're probably doing some of the some bad things, some wrong things, and they're tearing us up, and they're tearing us down, and they're exhausting us. But, I, man, you're some good people. You're trying. And for many of us in the room or many of us watching online, the issue is not that we're choosing bad things over good things. Our life is just filled with all kinds of good things. It's just too full. And we're doing lots of good things, and yet what Jesus was saying to Martha is, you're doing good things, but right now you're missing the most important thing. And if you miss that, it short-circuits all the other good things. It doesn't allow you to enjoy the other good things until you get the most important thing right. You see, Martha was serving, but in this moment Jesus was saying, it's more important to just be sitting and not just loafing it, not just over there in the recliner. Where was Mary sitting? At the feet of Jesus, listening to him. If we want to escape the exhausted life, we've got to em- embrace our design which means embracing our limits, which means saying no. I love what Parker Palmer says here. He says, Parker Palmer makes a compelling case that burnout typically does not come about because we've given so much of ourselves that we have nothing left. He tells us it merely reveals the nothingness from which I was trying to give in the first place. Oh, and I think that's what was happening in Martha's life. Oh, she was serving, she was giving But it was out of an empty space. And so she was serving, but she was serving with bitterness. Because she wasn't being filled up in her soul first. We can't give what we don't have. What would it be like if if all those those signs that we looked at earlier, the irritability, the restlessness, the the workaholism, the out-of-order priorities, the escapist behaviors, what would it look like if we could be released in our souls, be refueled, refreshed, so that these aren't the things that are infecting all of our friendships and work life and relationships. We've got to embrace our design and discover what matters most. And Jesus pointed out to to Martha what that was, one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary, he said, has discovered it, sitting at the feet 
of Jesus. And so I want to finish our service with another prayer. And if you're with me, if you want to be on this journey, not the, the rat race, you want to start slowing down, living by the design that God created you with and me with, then maybe this is the prayer that we need to whisper from our own hearts. Father, I'm tired of living on empty. I try to give what I don't have. So help me discover what matters most, receiving life and soul rest from you. This week, I want to challenge us. Don't get too busy. Recognize we're limited. But most of all, sit. Sit for a few minutes. Sit for a few minutes every day. Sit at the feet of Jesus, in his word, in prayer. Breathe. Rest in him. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your incredible invitation. You say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Help us to respond to that invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great rest of your Sunday.